I, I'm just angry that I got up at freaking 3.50 a.m. to watch it. I knew it was going to be like that. Hence why when you said you're getting up for it, I kind of thought you're committed to the game. You can tell it's still early in the season because if they were racing at like Saudi Arabia late in the year or middle of the year like last time, I don't know if you would have been so keen, to be honest with you. But just committed to the pod. I'm committed to the pod too. And I, I, I kind of, I woke up at 5.30 to watch the after race Debrief. Three minute highlights. No, no, with the sky. You know how they, I, I would pretty much watch all of the, like the debrief with Toto and Christian on, on sky. So I watched all that. Yeah. I just didn't I, watch I the race. I find but, that um, more interesting than the race sometimes. Pardon? Most of the time. I find that more interesting than the race most of the time. But well, I did go back today. Let's try and be positive. I was able to get off work early. So I was writing an assignment and watching the highlights at the same time or the 30 minute, the 30 minute version of it. But let's start cool. properly. Episode 72. Episode 72 of the Racing Line podcast. You know what we need to do right now? I want to add a snippet of when Murray Walker goes and lights out and it's go, go, go. So that way it's like the start of the pod. Not Crofty? Huh? No, I don't like Crofty. I want the OG, mate. I want Murray Walker. I don't like Crofty either. Um, I like Crofty. So I'm not a fucking sourpuss. (laughs) Not sour. I just think that Murray Walker's the OG. Um, Rundle's the best. I think Crofty does a great job, to be honest. He does. I, I didn't say I had an issue with him. I just said I wanted the OG. Anyway, so um, episode 72, the Racing Line podcast, guys. Straight back into it. Right, yeah, uh, round two of the 2023 FIA World yeah, Championship. Can you, can you just push um, your screen back a bit so we can see the top of your head? Cheers, Brez. From Saudi Arabia, the circuit by the sea in Saudi Arabia, the man-made doodle. And by doodle, <laughs> I mean swirls. You know, when a kid just kind of does their own thing. Um, thank God it's the second race of the season when it doesn't mean anything. Because um, that was an interesting race. Well, so if you haven't watched it, uh, if you have no context for the race, um, all bets seem to be you know on Max Verstappen taking out qualifying. He had some technical issues. Started from fifteenth because he didn't put a lap in qualifying two, which meant that by default Perez started from the pole for the longest time. And we might go into this tonight it looked like the gap between first and second in qualifying was going to be four and a half tenths, which was going to be crazy. Um, but it was very late closed by Charles Leclerc to make it a tenth and a half, I think it was. And then on the Sunday, some interesting points in the race, particularly after safety cars and at the start of the race. But, you know, we saw Fernando Alonso take the lead of the race. We saw him get a, a five-second penalty for, you know, setting up on the grid outside of his box. Um, and then him losing his third place position at the end of the race because of a uh, penalty in the pit lane, which was then reverted. Um, but then at the end of the day, it was Sergio Perez that came home in first, Max Verstappen making his way from 15th to second fairly comfortably, um, Alonso in third, and then we saw the two Mercedes, the two Ferraris, a little bit of a Noah's Ark all the way down the grid, to be honest with you. Um, with a few slight variations here and there. Um, straight into it, boys. 
Harry, you watched the race. You woke up for it. Initial reaction. Um, boring. And I, I don't want to be pessimistic, right? I love the sport. I just want to caveat this whole thing on that. But why do we continue to go to these tracks that don't promote good racing? All the passes, I don't know if you both saw most of the overtakes, mm. were down the straight. And even Brundle said, the DRS needs to be minimized by tens of meters, mm. like the, the length of the DRS, because it's just, especially the Red Bull, the Red Bull didn't even need DRS. OP. They were just, they were just passing like it was F1 versus F2. And I know we've been down this road before and I don't want to deep dive into it, but because of the way the track's laid out and we, there's no other potential passing points throughout the whole circuit, except for the last couple of, the back end sector three, we're not seeing any genuine overtaking. Do you know what it looked like? It looked like someone on their L's going down the M4 doing 80 kilometers an hour and everyone else doing 110. That's what it looked like on that back straight. The only real good overtake I saw was Alonso to start the race going into the first corner. I think Um, Hamilton did one too. And then... Yeah, there might have been. I think uh, Lance Stroll did a move on the outside on the first lap around the outside of a Ferrari, which looked pretty amazing. Um, you know, but they were kind of the only two, really. It was, yeah, it was very Mario Kart like um, mm. overtakes. Um, what I wanted to do was rather than us talking just about reaction, though, was to have a little bit of, I'll give a little bit of stimulus. That I collected today, and then us use that stimulus for the debate. How does that sound? Teacher talk, I love it. Yeah. So I knew that we've spoken about this track before. I knew that we've spoken about a lot of the issues with this track before. So I didn't just want to mm-hmm. spend tonight rehashing old wounds. Well, I thought just, let- I've got a few points we can touch before we do teacher talk. If you want, just. A few right. things to think about. Tell what me, did Jay. you think about? What did you think about the fact that Ferrari was seemed to be um, quite slower than the Mercedes this week? Sort of like yeah. a flip of last week, and so I thought that was quite an interesting yeah, Ferrari, sort of Ferrari, turn of events. Um, they they kind of look like they've picked up exactly where they left off last year. Even like it's interesting, but even some of the communication with Leclerc and his engineer. It's the second week in the row where his engine has been giving him information that is, you know, 30 seconds too late so that he can't react to actually what his engine is telling him. And it's those little things like that, those even those just lapses in communication, poor examples of communication that the well-oiled machines, the Mercedes and the, you know, the Red Bull of today as well, we're just not seeing. And we spoke about it last year how with match fitness, Ferrari would get better in those areas, but it doesn't seem like it's happening. Um, and we're 25 races now into their kind of reboot for use of um, a better phrase. So I found that a little bit interesting. I'm, um, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they, because of the mechanical gremlins they had last week, that they maybe turned the engines down a little bit just to get through the race this week. And then once they sort that out, they can turn it back up and be a bit more competitive, but yeah, not good. Not a good look. I think um, last year we gave him a lot of we, – we spoke a lot about the sort of match fitness of the team, but 
more so than ever, I think I'm, I'm rethinking that because, um, well, Aston Martin's jumped straight in and they haven't shown hmm. really any, I mean, today's uh, pit stop might be a small example of it, but um, with, with the car they have, and you, you would expect if Lance didn't have his brake problem, they probably would have got a, um, what is it, a second, oh, yeah, third, fourth as well from the pace that they were showing. They've sort of slipped right in there. So for Ferrari to then be behind them and Mercedes convincingly, I mean, I hope it is only what Harry's saying about them turning down their engines to get through the race. Um, but like even the ease that, in qualifying, they were a lot faster. In qualifying on that one lap burn pace, they were the only team that's, that that's really that is their biggest candle to. Say it again. We we know that that's their that their engine over one lap pace is fine. It's when they turn it up that's when they have these problems. Mm. Um, so I just hope that it is because they're sort of in the hot weather, and they're like, you know, what, we'll just save save the engine and. Um, sort of live to fight another day because if that's not the case, um, you know, they, it'd be interesting if they went from second to fourth worst car in one off season when Mercedes is having, you know, what they're describing is probably their worst season in a long time as well. Mm. Do you think, do you think the whole Bonotto situation that we're looking, if Ferrari could see the data of where the car was heading and that could be potentially a reason why they let him go so late in the, off season, or do you think it's just an anomaly? I, I just think for a team that big, if there's systemic issues that kind of keep recurring, someone's got to be the fall guy. And realistically, yeah. there's no other fall guy except the team that they could and have been on. And Bernardo was never really the engine guy anyway. He was always the aero guy. So mm. the problem definitely seems to be more engine related than aero, aero related. Mm. Um, I think they wanted to keep him. He just didn't want to take a, was it, demotion. Um, Do you know where he's going to end up? Bernardo. Yep. I don't know. Matteo Bernardo, I'll say it now, he's going to end up at McLaren. Now that they've got a wind tunnel and he's going to become chief aerodynamicist. The legendary McLaren wind tunnel. Head of McLaren. You know, he might do. and they He might. say it. He might, and he might thrive. Do, do, lack you, of do you want pressure? Do you want to do you want to touch on that quickly before we keep going into your, your no. what's it called, or just leave no. that there? Leave him next week. Leave him. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. Do you have any other talking points that you wanted to raise? <laughs> no, um, no. Let's just say I want to see them in Australia because last year they were shit in race one and two, and then they came to Australia and finished P four and five. With McLaren, we're talking about. They yeah. didn't look too bad. See, they, didn't let, too um, bad in, they didn't look too bad in Q three. Yeah, and then Lando looked all right at the start of quality, and then you know he hit the wall, and that kind of dictated the rest of the weekend for him. I've never seen Lando in any um, post-race interviews seem so defeated. Well, I think he's he should have been defeated. He was at fault in that race because he was on track for a P six in qualifying if he didn't hit the wall. Oh, I don't know about P six, but yeah. Well, Piastri was P eight. Yeah, and so I reckon he could have got a P six. No, with 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 Max Verstappen going to fifteenth, he couldn't have got a P six. Don't think so. I think well, Piastri was P nine. 
I don't. I, I don't, I don't think, think. I don't think they have the. Race I don't think pace the pace anyway. differential is that different. Between so let's go P seven then. P seven or P eight. Regardless, two top tens. I don't, I don't think they would have got points. Also, I don't know about that. Anyway, um, so let me give you my stimulus, and then that will hopefully be a springboard for robust and dynamic conversation. Jesus, Ooh. just fucking say the words, man. So, <laughs> like I said, I didn't want to come in tonight just being rehashing old wounds. So I thought I'll get an opinion of someone who's kind of new to the sport and see how these kind of races make them react and kind of use that as the conversation starter. Firstly, he said, Joe killed it with his top five. Bang on. So we've got to give you congratulations for that, for the qualifying yeah. top five. You do deserve kudos there. I was so mad when they were talking about taking that um, podium of Alonso. I was like, no way these guys are going to take this from <laughs> the first time someone gets a straight flush. So this is what I said. I asked the question. I said, as a new fan, do the boring races turn you off? And then I elaborated and said, and do you prefer seeing the best teams dominate? You know, like in other sports, you kind of see LeBron, Steph Curry, Tom Brady dominate year on year and people seem to love it. Um, so do you prefer seeing the best teams dominate each each week or would you want them closer to the rest of the midfield? And this is the response I got. So in relation to the boring races, no, nah, I still in, um, I still am happy to watch them. I know they can't all be Abu Dhabi 2021. Every sport can have boring games, so I'm okay with that. I do wish there was a closer competition all year long. Teams kind of have the same placement in most races and it can get a little bit repetitive. Now, why I wanted to use this as a bit of a catalyst was because last week I said um, that in the interest of competition, Formula One would be well-placed potentially to move away from its tradition and to implement some kind of uh, ballast or competitive dis- competitive disadvantage system that disadvantages those teams that are performing better, not to make them uncompetitive, but to bring them p- closer to the rest of the field. Okay. Now, let me just finish and then I'll get your opinion. In the past, through history, right? Um, it, well, Joe, you made the point last week that Formula One traditionally has had a history of teams dominating whether it was, you know, the McLaren through the late 80s, early 90s, the Williams through the 90s, Ferrari through the late 90s into the 2000s, the Red Bulls through the late 2000 and 2010s, and then Mercedes. So we've had a history of teams dominating if they're able to get an upper hand on a specific rule change. And there's some tradition to that. There's some history to that particular idea. And it's valid because it's the the nature of Formula One for the longest time. Um, but as, and I'm going to get a little bit weird with the analogy, but as with history, right, the more information we get about things, the less we can worry about culture and tradition and the more that we use information to actually understand things better, whether it's agriculture or science, whatever it might be. And the point I want to make is this. In those eras when there were teams that dominated, drivers that dominated. We were talking about a limited amount of content that a person could consume. So if you were interested in racing, you might have only been able to watch 
Formula One. A lot of other racing wasn't accessible to you or it wasn't televised. Um, you only had 12 to 16 races a year. So the gaps between each race was a lot more spaced out. So the ability to build anticipation was higher. The you know importance of each race for the viewer was a lot more pronounced as opposed to watching it every second week. So with all of that being said, in this new era of Formula One where we have so much access to it, where there is so much of it, where there's so much access to other racing and just other content in general, in order to keep the viewers on it, I don't think you can just stay with tradition and allow, you know, this whole idea that there have always been teams that dominated um, and the same is now to, to continue because if it isn't competitive or it isn't engaging, just with the amount of content available on the TV, through streaming services, on YouTube, etc., if people don't find an interest in it, they will move to something else that will engage them. So that was something I was thinking about this week based on the conversation we had last week and the point that you made. And with those additional thoughts that I've added this week, have I swayed you at all? Dude, I feel like that's the end of the podcast. That that point was so long. <laughs> um, Honestly, but. No, I don't think so. I did think about it, like, about what you said last week and then kind of why now is different to then. And those, because of those points that I raised before, just the access, the amount of races we have, the amount of other content that people can view if it's not engaging for them. I think, it, I think one thing that whenever you make this point, I never seem to understand is the race at the front of the, of the grid isn't the only race that is happening on the track. Um, yeah, that part is always usually the most boring when there's a dominant team, but there's always a very robust battle in the midfield that I think this year is even um, sort of uh, less pronounced than ever in terms of what the best team is. Um, so there always seems to be like in, like interest for me in that aspect of the race. I think going for Williams as well makes you look so far back that you see these little things and go, oh, my gosh, we're on for a point or something like that. Um, and then like even the fact that I think last week when we said we're going to Jeddah, or like, and and none of us were really excited about it because you know it's that kind of race. It's sort of like if you think about it, when Monaco race weekend comes up, once qualifying's done, most of the like energy of that weekend is over because that is probably even more of a processional race than this one. Like the only passing in that is usually for in the pit lane, and that's about it. You know, so there are obviously better races and worse races every season. I, I like. I, I don't think. Sorry. Just because what you just said made me think of something else that I was thinking about, right? Mm. I understand, and even from what Chris said in the message to me this week, right, about how some races are going to be more boring than others, and I completely agree with that. I mean, we watched two Newcastle races last week in the supercars where overtakes were at a premium. They didn't happen a whole lot, and yet it was really engaging because throughout the whole race you had a real mix-up of teams and drivers that were Throughout that, it wasn't just like two cars were dominating, and then, like, if you look at the results from this week's race, it was it should have been, it was two two Red Bulls. You obviously would have had two Aston Martins if they both finished, and you would have had two Mercedes, and you would have had two Ferraris, and you would have had two Alpines, one um, Haas, 
then I think it was a Toro Rosso, then another Haas, then another Toro Rosso. So it was very much a Noah's Ark kind of race. So even within that scenario, it was very predictable, somewhat boring in a way. And if you had a formula where, yes, you had a processional race, but the teams that were that were kind of, or the, or the drivers that were littered through were from different teams, it wasn't like one team was dominating, even without the overtakes, you can still have an engaging race. Whereas if it's not engaging because there's no overtakes and it's processional, you know, team by team, well, then you've actually got no intrigue because it's very predictable how the race is going to end up. I just think the, like the more you, you sort of propagate the idea that it was a boring race, the more people get turned off it. And like we always bitch about how long this season is. One thing that's, I would say, the playing devil's advocate, a better thing about a long season is if a team does – so the first – what the first flyaway rounds of the season is always like your, really your pre-season because then once you hit Europe and that first big upgrade set comes in, if a team manages to get that right, the benefits can be massive because they've actually got what was a usual season still to go where they can make up that those points. So if you're looking at like, if you look at the energy of a team like Mercedes this weekend, mm. they had a, they had such, um, even at the end of the race where they came what, fourth and fifth, they seem to have such a bigger spring in their step knowing just from two weeks of unlocking a bit more performance from the car probably having upgrades that are getting ready for that first big upgrade season as well. Um, what is that in a, in a race's time or two races time? Oh, yeah. So. This race, yeah, this race is boring. Like there is always a boring or boring race. Just like there's always a boring game. It doesn't take away from the fact that it's a long season. And you I know, didn't say the a- race was boring. What I'm saying is in the interest of the sport, yeah, but but I think like if you you're a real fan, do you have fan. to kind of bite a bullet sometimes and say, um, Obviously. we can make this better? Like the reality is being optimistic about it, it can be made better. And there are yeah, mechanisms it, in place the, 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 to do the, that. The, the, you know, you mechanisms in place are making it. You can very easily it. use Kerr's deployment as or ERS deployment, you know, um, give different amounts to different teams depending on yeah, their performance. ERS, to, ER, yeah, but even but that is like the thing, the thing I do like about a DRS system, regardless, is that it's a very simple concept. Everyone knows if, you, if you're within one second, you've got it. I don't agree with how long they are or where they're situated on straights. We've had that discussion before. But the DRS system, up until very recently, where there's been cars that are like ridiculously overpowered, um, has worked like for what is it? It's been around for at least 15 years, maybe mm-hmm. 10, 15 years. And we never had this problem until very recently where we had the super-powered Merck and now a super-powered Red Bull. Like when okay. you watch it within within the midfield, it can still I, works It still works fine. Like it's not I like throw you, they're, can I throw they're taking over 20 metres down the straight. Can I throw you a hypothetical? So because if it's, the RS if it's, if it's If it's not – if it's about a curve system like an IndyCar, I'm not interested in that. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. All I'm saying is the FIA could – control how much ERS a team can deploy each lap. We wouldn't even have to know that. I mean, you watch racing all the time with balance of performance parameters in place. I don't know the specifics of what the Porsche has as opposed to the Alpha or the Audi. Like, I don't know any of what the BOP 
specifications are for each race, but I do know there's a BOP, but it makes the racing compelling. So if the FIA was to say your OP, you know, your arrow is really good, you're getting a lot of a lot more benefit than the DRS, and you kind of say you can only deploy this much this much ERS power a lap, and you and it's changed depending on the team, depending on an amalgamation of their results over the course of the season. Well, then I wouldn't know as the driver ex- or as the viewer exactly how much they're going to be dis- you know disadvantaged. But what I would see is a much closer um, spectacle of racing. And, and then the, as the from my point of view, I think it's competitive. Yeah, but the difference becomes like you have a team like Alpha right now who has who has bolted over about three or four teams in the space of in the space of what an off season, right? them vaulting all those teams and being the second best car, although they're not winning is a massive achievement for that team. Mm. So just because, just because you're waiting it to the front of the grid where you're not getting that compelling one, two finish, you're going to then punish all those teams in like an off season who put all their ducks in row and make a massive performance gain. No, I'm not, I'm not going to disadvantage them. But that's what, that's what, that's exactly what BOP does. Okay. BOP, in, in so, GT racing, it's totally different because you get all these cars lined up and then they go, here, you're going to race within these parameters. That's that's the name of the game. Okay. In F1, you're taking away the, the whole ability for a, 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 a entry-level team to grow into a midfield-level team to then grow into a front-running team, which is sort of what... Um, all right. So with, with the best, with, with all of that, with all of that wishful thinking and opti- not even optimism, with everything that you've said in that regard, you've frozen... But if everything that's been said in that regard about how kind of this team has earned their way to the second best team on the grid, fair enough. But let's say in the best case scenario with um, Aston Martin doing everything they can, the best they can achieve without anyone else having really any faults, Harry, would be third. And all I'm saying is, yes, you've made amends, you've made a great, you've made a gain, but what if we could kind of reward the you know imagine fernando alonso alonso actually having a realistic chance at winning a race because he's kind of not hampered by the disadvantage to red bull we could actually see him win a race in a car that should be able to win a race um, if you were to give a system you know kind of develop a system like that as opposed to just being like happy with it yeah i guess I get that point, but I'm kind of with Joe on this one. I think it, it would go against what Formula One is, what it has been. And there's, like you said at the start, there's always been one dominant team throughout history. Um, but that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm but saying for the sport to grow and for the sport to be more compelling, right? The sport has grown, though. I, I agree. For it to continue to grow, and particularly not in money and the amount of people that are viewing it, but in the content that it's producing, the compelling nature of the content, for that to happen, we need to move away from the tradition of exactly what Formula One is, and that is it's no, a spoke championship. Think, no, I think that's, I think we that's, need to maybe I think that's totally wrong. To keep the field competitive. And if there's a reason why, one thing about Drive to Survive, that everyone who doesn't know what Formula One is loves it, and it is because they see how ruthless and how cutthroat it is. You have a bad season, Mick Schumacher, you lose your drive. Uh, Mercedes have a, another bad season. Whoever designed that car is losing their job. 
you look, look at Ferrari last year, Bernardo loses. But these aren't the stories like, that these, people are compelled they, by. Dude, they, of course they are. What are you talking about? The whole reason that drive to survive is successful is because they see these stories. Okay. And then so can I throw two examples at you? The guy loses. Can I, throw, can I please job? throw two examples at you? And I want your honest opinion, right? The first one is this weekend. Max Verstappen yeah. qualifies and 15th, right? How far into the race was it when he was second? What lap? Mm-hmm. What lap was it when he was 30? Hmm? Lap 30? 20 laps or something. Like 28 laps or something like that. Yeah. So halfway 20. through the race, he's got to second already. Yeah. Let me give you another scenario. What about when Dude, um, this two been, years ago, this been, two years ago, for like 10 Excuse years. me? Joe, you better fix your internet, man, because I'm sick of having this freaking dial-up on my pod. Um, what about... Two years ago, Hamilton crashes into Verstappen, has a 30-second sitting penalty halfway through the race, wins the race. That is not in the spirit of racing and competition. I think I think in a sport like Formula One, where where the amount of money that is being spent by these teams, and if you if you start putting handicaps on these teams, more so than what they get now, like wind tunnel time and all that. If you start telling them you can't design every aspect of your car, guarantee you Ferrari threatens to pull out. Guarantee you Red Bull threatens to pull out. Mercedes threatens to pull out. Yep. And you know what? You know what the beauty about that, that is? Why do, why they can you, threaten why as much you... as they hear me out. They can threaten as much as they want. But if you all of a sudden have a formula where a new team can come in and have a realistic shot at some level of success sooner rather than later, as opposed to working for 10 years just to kind of get in the top 10. Look at Haas. Haas has come fourth three times and that's, and that's, you know, six or seven years in the making. Um, If you provide a platform where you can have more success sooner and a greater level of success than there is now, well then great. These other teams will all threaten to leave, but they're not going to leave because a new team will come in if it's more competitive. But it's like the say. Let's compare it to the English Premier League. You got your big six: Man United, yeah. Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Tottenham. Yeah. No other club. Yeah, right. That order might change, and there might be a team that sneaks into fifth or sixth or fourth, maybe one year. We've had Leicester win one a one-off championship. Yeah. Ninety-eight percent of the time. Yeah. You're going to have the same five to six teams challenging for that title, and the rest Mate, are all there. I, just I've to, been making the same argument at the Premier League for the last five years. Exactly the same yeah, argument. Just because you're making the argument because you're making it doesn't mean that everyone else agrees with that argument. Like, what do you want? Do you want it to become IndyCar? I know, like, I'm not even going to pretend that F1 is my favourite motorsport at the moment. But in when I watch Formula 1, the reason I'm watching it is not to watch another version of IndyCar, like, sort of be implemented or another. Listen, I don't want it like, to be IndyCar. I want hypercar. Red Bull. And I want Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, yeah, but them. you can't punish them for being exceptional. That's that's my whole, I, my thing. Not, you can't okay, punish a team for being exceptional. Punish is not the word I'm looking for. They, they can handicap. still be. They should still be at the front of the grid. But we should not have a race where you can go from 15th to second in 20 laps. Right, make every move look like at least make the let the drivers race. If we've had races where Lewis Hamilton has come from the, probably last, and he's been 
at the front of the grid, probably in less laps. Like this is not a, this is not a new phenomenon. We've seen this for ten years with the with the Mercedes. Like that's the fact that this, this is, is exactly yeah, the point I'm trying to make, Joe. You're, yeah, you're literally you, making if, the point for me. What do you do? Mercedes had a Mercedes had an off season to redesign their car, and they said, you know what? We're going to stick to the car we designed last year, and we're going to get it better because we're proud. And then you have Ferrari who go, you know, what? we're going to sack our you know, our team principal and keep the same design as well, because this is what's going to win us races. Even though we got smacked last year, you can't, you can't punish a team because the other two teams were spending ridiculous amounts of money, decide to, 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 you know, just set it on fire and, and not come up with a better idea. Like, okay, both these teams have, have, have stayed on their trajectory. And I'm going to say it's big through pride, which is fair enough because, you know, you've got a lot of smart people working in these teams. Yeah. It's pride. But guess what? It was the wrong decision. And now you've got a team like Aston who's vaulted over both of them within a 10-week period. If, imagine if if the if the if the steps that they had they had they've made, these other two teams have made with the, the money that they have behind them, it would be closer. But they didn't. So to be okay. punished so, for, so, so, for, okay. just, for just Great. developing that car further is 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 bullshit. That's a bullshit argument. No, no. Is a, just, um, this is this is the this is the quintessential thing that happens every time we have an argument in on this pod. I am not even arguing about them developing. The point I said was in the spirit of competition, should Formula One do something to make it more competitive? How many no, races? They shouldn't. But no, no. How many? Because they've given them the a salary cap. You're, they've given them a salary cap Joe, to make it more competitive. Joe, we've literally, all three of us have literally said we started the pod with how ordinary the racing was. We went through most of last year saying the same thing and the year before that saying the same thing. A uh, year I, before that was epic. Oh, sorry, not 2021. Yeah. Okay. Two years now. You're in a year and two races. How I am proposing a solution to make it more engaging. And what you're saying is this. You start the pod by saying, yeah, it was pretty boring. But then you say, oh, we shouldn't. Um, but we it's shouldn't. boring because they're exceptional. Pardon? It's not boring. Because it's boring because as a team, Red Bull is exceptional. It's not boring because it's a boring product. It's boring Great. because Great. they're so, so good. So when you watch the race, are you saying, and Red Bull are 30 seconds ahead, and Max Verstappen looks like he's driving with one hand on the steering wheel. Are you saying, bloody hell, they're exceptional? Are you saying, why the hell did I wake up at three o'clock in the morning to watch this race? <laughs> Tell me what I you're did, thinking. I what were you thinking this morning, at... Harry? Were you thinking this wake... is exceptional? What a great feat of engineering? Or are you thinking, shit, I wish I slept through this one? Honestly, both things, both things, both things can exist at the same time. And all they I'm suggesting and it's is also that boring. you could have a race where there's more teams racing for the win where there's more wheel-to-wheel action. And you would also be saying, bloody hell, this is exceptional. But you'd have a spectacle. What I think needs to happen, and it was starting to happen, is we need to leave these regulations in for an extended amount of time. All the other teams will catch up. So 2021 was the, the year Max won his first championship. It was the last year of the old regs. McLaren won a race that year. Alpine won a race that year. Mercedes, Red Bull, Anth, and Anth, Anth can't, Anth can't yeah. wait that long, Harry. He's, he's, yeah, he's on the edge years, of a knife man. now. That took 10 but, years. Yeah, He'll be it 40 did. by that time. It, it did take 10 years, but then they changed. You right? cannot and, expect and, people and, to wait and, 10 years for that, man. No, no, no. What I'm trying to say is they moved to a formula that is Adrian Newey's bloody, he wrote his thesis on um, ground effect. 
Mm. So it's going to take them a while to catch up. But it will happen. It will happen. And it's just not that quick. Well, give, let me give you another hypothetical. Let me give you another hypothetical. But do you also think there's merit in the point that the two biggest teams sticking to their guns, which both seem to be failing wars, instead of adapting to what Red Bull sort of hit the nail on the head with, yep. was a big mistake. And and, and due I to do, a big but then, mistake, but then I saw the same thing. They out shouldn't, of, we get a, we they, shouldn't get a free pass. To we them saw the same thing out of Red Bull for three years during the Mercedes Zomers. I do not want to give them a free pass. I'm not Look, saying this is, that they this should is be the second, going this is from the, first to fifth. I'm saying bring the field the closer second, together. This is the second time we've seen the Alpha Tari, not Alpha Tari, the, the racing point slash Alpha Romeo team do That's somewhat fun. of a yeah, that's my own team. Do somewhat of a copy job this time, not as blatantly as last, <laughs> and vault to seconds like the second car on the grid yeah. within an off season. But Joe, yeah, and I'm not and 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 but my point is, this is a team that has a severely less budget than the other two big teams. So, regardless, you can't then give the two other teams a free pass for developing a shit car. I like, agree with you, Joe. You Joe, I agree with you wholeheartedly here. I'm moving and my I, hands and, like and, you now. Listen, I agree with you. But you were skitzing out like a with your broadband a minute ago when I agreed with you and said, but how much of a better story would it be if rather than just the, their ceiling being third, you could see out the Alpha uh, the Aston Martin with Fernando Alonso actually genuinely racing for first? But he's but that car is not supposed to be racing for first. Now that's the other thing. No, that but it could be this season if you did have a system want it like to be that. It could. And that would be a better story than yeah, but we maximize everything. We're third. We're twenty seconds off second. There's also there's also the the reduction in development time that the teams are getting. So we're going to see next year. Red Bull now will have two years where they've won, and they get an even bigger reduction. Red Bull. Was, hopefully, Red the Bull other teams cheated this year, and they are thirty seconds ahead of everyone. No, they yeah, didn't but cheat. they cheated last year, man. <laughs> That's what I mean. Last year. It wasn't, yeah, but the car was already done. So we're going to see those cheating has, next their year. Their cheating has nothing to do with the fact that the other team stuck to their guns. Like that is all it comes down to. The this, other team this, stuck to their this guns. This guy, man, do you, you don't you, you, know they, you change you know the they argument? Do? You know what they it's should got do? nothing to do with the other guys staying to their guns. Should, I've never should, argued that. You they should hire the go-kart track and listen to what I said. Put them all in identical fucking hire carts at the track next to all these tracks and let's watch them race and go around. That's... That's that would be more compelling. I want to. I want to see. Mercedes are talking a big game that their car's going to look completely different. I don't know if it's Imola or. I think that Imola. races I think after Imola. Imola. I think it was Imola. I want to see where that car lands after Imola. We can revisit this conversation because if they can develop a car that gets closer to the Red Bull, then I'm with Joe. It, it, it should be fairly in fairly planted in the other team's court that they bring the fight to Red Bull because Red Bull was actually slower in qualifying this year than they were last year, funny enough. Like that's... Yeah, that why was that, Joe? Is... Because the guy that's getting the freaking half a, half a second um, ahead of his teammate couldn't do the third qualifying session. It's not because they were slower. It's because he didn't freaking run. <laughs> Don't make it like they're slower. Far out. Well, they were definitely slow. not. They're definitely Selective not slower. freaking presentation of information. Let me give you a hypothetical. This throws me in because you're such a traditionalist. That's what I mean. Like, he's such a traditionalist. And then all of a sudden he's like, fuck Let this. Throw man. you this another. Is, I'm, you know what I am, but I am a traditionalist, but you know what I also am? I am in everything that I do, 
everything is fueled <laughs> by Jesus a level of competition. <laughs> Let me throw you this hypothetical. You if don't want to give them. The- you don't want to give everyone a ballast system so that they have to, um, so that we artificially condense the grid to make it more competitive. Great. You don't do something like that. But what if Formula One owns the IP for every car and every bit of information, every bit of design work that a team does in the development of their car goes to Formula One and and it is available the same car and it is available for every other team to see so that you have an arms race where everybody can catch up not over 10 years but over two years but that means after one season every car looks identical that's no, exactly not what because that because the team just copy the, the best parts of every car no no because everyone else might have caught up to that design but then that team's designed a new car for the next year or iterated that an, further i've got an even better idea this is, I think, the best idea by far. I want to how, punch my screen when I look at you right how, now, Joe. How about, <laughs> how about the team principals get their teams to develop better cars with the $150 million budget that they have to build these things? Like, how, how, about, how about we do that? Can I just be honest with you about this, Joe? you got 10 teams. you got one set of rules. The law of averages would suggest that some teams are going to hit and some teams are going to miss. And every regulation change shows that emphatically. Yeah, but if a team you misses hit, in the first some year, some people miss, and then they go, some you people know hit what? better, some we people missed. worse. That is just the way that that's that is the beauty of interpretation. But if it's going to take ten more years for everyone to converge, that was not what this regulation was designed to do. This regulation, this particular formula, right? When we heard about it, when it was presented, all the rhetoric about it was. Closer racing, better overtaking. It's going to be um, a lot more competitive for everybody because there's simpler regulations, a lot less um, downforce on the top of the car, a lot simpler downforce on the bottom of the car so everyone should be able to converge in some particular. That was the conversation before this regulation. And what we are seeing are new cars, same tracks as before this regulation took place. And for the most part, you have a very similar scenario for how the field is set up. You got teams dominating, you got teams at their heels kind of not getting their shit together. You've got a midfield where yes it's competitive, right? And that's fun if you're watching a race from 7th to 12th. That's beautiful, but not many people give a shit about that, particularly if everyone's interested in what's happening up the front. I, I get your frustration, Ed. I, I get your frustration, 100%. So then how come if you understand my frustration and I give, and I pre- present because it's been, it's been happening for is a really 40 years. simple solution. I, I understand the 40 years, Joe. I started with that. This whole conversation was about breaking away from that mould. I, I think I think we, we, we at, are at risk of heading down an IndyCar route if we start doing that and we become a semi-spec series. You know who else was at risk? The scenario that Ford versus Holden was going to end in Australia and it was going to be the end of supercars. And guess what? Nothing happened. It's still amazing because we're holding on to tradition, right, when what we should be doing, like everything, is innovating with the times. 
Good for thought. I don't know. I just think we can talk about it all we want. It'll never happen because of the way Formula One's set up and the power that teams like Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull have. I'm going to start a GoFundMe. I'm going to, I'm going to buy Formula One. Good luck. Mate. Fifteen trillion and one dollars that know, I can I outbid want, the Saudis by a dollar. I don't. I don't want you to buy one if you're having these fucking ideas. Just I go do, buy because then we won't. Just, we won't go to just, bloody Abu Dhabi Just go anymore. buy. Just go buy a team. Just go buy one of the teams instead and just run them better. Why don't you just, just go say, watch a merry-go-round, Joe? Because no one ever passes on a merry-go-round. It's still racing. By your by your encapsulation of what Formula One is, <laughs> the is, same horse is, is always in the lead, mate. <laughs> Let's go watch a merry-go-round. I, you know, I, Why not? I, I, just, I can't. I can't agree with this point because <laughs> you can't agree with the point purely on the principle that we're a podcast that debates, and you no, don't want to agree agree, because you want to debate. I can't agree on the point because what Harry is saying with going down this spec root idea is the one thing that um, goes against the whole. Sorry, yeah, one. sorry. When did I say anything yeah. about spec? What did I say? Yeah, but what you're, what I said you ERS said, using no, ERS to dude, you just you just bring said the field every, closer every together. You said every car's IP should then become public knowledge. In, oh, within, sorry. And, and so I've been speaking for half an hour and the off-the-cuff second idea that I have just to back something up, that's what you're going to take from this whole conversation, not the 30 minutes of my first idea. Dude, yeah. your 30 minutes of your first idea was still shit. I'm just picking the better part of your whole argument. I just don't know how much limiting ERS is going to bring the field together, to be honest. Well, if, you can, if, if, you've, if you've given them a certain amount of deployment, um, and all the teams have the same amount. Well, it'd be very easy to say you've got, you know, five percent, you've got ten percent, you've got thirty percent, you've got a hundred percent based on the performance capabilities of the different teams. And that might be able to, if you're limiting ERS, then you're limiting the power output. And if you're limiting power output, well, then maybe, maybe it might just bring the lap times a little bit closer together. How they would do that, you'd need a smarter man than I to kind of figure out the intricacy so that you don't have. Um, you know, you don't disadvantage, you know, those successful teams on straights and things like that. But I'm sure, I'm sure it could be done. That's and I'm sure not. if it was done properly, you know, we wouldn't even see it. Like it wouldn't be visible. It would just look like more competitive racing. I do think that the, the DRS system. And then, sorry, does, sorry. Does but then also that, that ERS system is subject to change as the other developments that teams engage with change as well so if a team becomes more competitive then they kind of the other teams can get a little bit more of that air you know what I mean? so it's it's not a not a set system it fluctuates as the performance levels of the cars change as well do you See, know, that, you, know that, actually, you know actually one thing that could fix this whole problem i'm gonna i'm gonna level with you i've got one good idea just one all right tell me. let the teams who are going uh, who are going shit through the season do uh, in-season testing, but without developing oh. their engine. Mate, bring back season te- in-season testing. But then that now, goes against the whole idea of saving money, whereas ERS, a BO... Dude, a they're BO, not ERS. saving money. They're not saving money. They've got a cost cap. That is All it is, is is to make it seem like it's fair. But if the cost cap is working correctly, how the hell still... Are these little teams this far from the big teams? The cost I'll tell you why, Joe, because they literally they literally it's fined Red Bull for cheating last year. And, and guess what? Nothing's guess happened. What? Yeah, but the other teams still haven't caught up. They're still so far behind. How are they so going to catch up if the team that's in the lead was caught cheating, Joe? But if 
I actually don't hate the ERS ID, and you articulated it well in that in that last couple of minutes. I appreciate that because I honestly came into the pod thinking that I was going to convince you guys that it was a good idea. That that, after the, that idea, I don't mind. I think it works. And I think what you'd still have is you'd still have every team with a design identity. They can still keep developing that design. And then like, for example, right, we know that Mercedes design is less effective than the Red Bull design. Yeah. And maybe it's less effective because number it's one, well, I don't. I wouldn't say it's shit, but I'm saying but let's is. say they had the time to continue to evolve that idea without the pressure of being three seconds a lap behind. Let's say they were two tenths of a second behind. Mm. That gives you the ability to refine that idea, make slight adjustments because I'm sure there's some validity to that idea, considering that a successful team like that went with it. Yeah, and if you don't you have start, the pressure of being start. a second behind a lap, and it's only two tenths. Well, then over the next two, three years, while the car is still somewhat competitive, you might see that particular design come to fruition in time. Yeah, but then the same argument can be applied to a team like Williams or McLaren, who has a very bad car. You're just going to give them more ERS to then accommodate for their slowness. Yeah. But then, but then, but regardless- they'll get their shit together over time. That's the point. But there's, but there's no, but there's no incentive to because you're just yes, there is, get- because you're not making it so that they're going to yeah. win the race. Yeah, they still, still have. They still mm-hmm. don't have. They still wouldn't have the downforce through the corners that the other team would have. But what you would have is number one, and this is probably more important. You would have a more competitive field. So if someone, let's say Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen, was to lock up going into the first corner, he comes back on the track fifteenth or sixteenth. He won't be back in the top three by ten laps in. He's actually going to have to race through the field again and show his prowess. And then we might genuinely say, bloody hell, isn't that spectacular? Because he's going to have to make some moves, et cetera. And in the second scenario, I don't think it's good for any sport when there's someone just blowing everybody out because it does like, yes, it can be amazing and it is amazing. But traditionally, as is the case with when the um, New England Patriots were killing it in the NFL, as is when the Melbourne Storm were killing it in the rugby league. Whenever there is a team that dominates for a significant amount of time, right, the ratings of that particular sport decrease for no other reason than because people hate seeing the team, same team win all the time. I think you've, your ERS idea is minimal. It'd be interesting to see the impact it would have on the racing. Mm. Um, that I don't mind. I, I think I was hung up on the idea of a ballast of a. Sorry, I mean, used, I used that sounded word, like I used the word ballast because I like it's obviously not a physical weight ballast. It's like a competitive ballast, in, and all I mean is that some kind of way of condensing the field, and it would be through ERS as opposed to through weights. Yeah, I actually don't hate that idea because it's similar to the wind tunnel time. So yeah. you, you finish, you, 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 your car performs better, you finish higher, you get less tunnel time. Mm. This way, your car's quicker, you get less. But as opposed to being over the course of a season, you have that, it's race to race. Yeah, but yeah so if the, the, Ferrari the, finishes first, they get less in the next race. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, the, but then, but then the, other, the other situation arises where you say, where has this been used before? And this exact idea has been used in British touring cars, this whole 
um, energy deployment system. But the problem you then get to is it's, you don't use it in qualifying. So the teams that still are good in qualifying, yeah, they don't have it during the race. But, the, but one thing that you that's can't... That's fine. That's actually good. Yeah. No, but, but what you're I'm not saying, disadvantaging yeah, the, those teams that have... That's exactly... That should actually support the point you've made. Finish, yeah, no, it's, but it doesn't because what you see is that because they've got clean air, number one, they're better cars. Number two, they've got clean air. The, the cars in the midfield end up just using it against each other and slowing each other down. And the, the cars that aren't using it still break away because they've got clean air. So you might shorten the, the, the time that the whole grid is covered by, but realistically, it's, like it, it's, it's, it's just like a very artificial like squishing. Not if, really. If that's because, all, if that's because, all you want, but no, but, but Formula One, because Formula exactly One, what, right now, we are seeing penalties. Every every driver is taking one or two penalties a year for compartments, uh, for components that they've gone over the limit of. You know, some people have a shit qualifying session. They don't maximize a lap. They're starting out of position. People have bad starts. I mean, all these things are pretty on it. The first couple of laps, you've got some people that kind of go balls to the wall you've got your more conservative drivers so yes you might you would have some level of the qualifying being the way it is now in some regards but qualifying isn't like qualifying is awesome like it's not i wouldn't say it's a noah's ark spectacle in qualifying that tends to happen in a race over 50 laps what you would have is if you let's say for example fernando alonso in this race first corner Mm. um makes a move gets to the front right? None of us expected him to stay in the front just based on the performance of the Red Bull. Whereas with a system like this, knowing his specific, uh, particular set of skills as a, as, a, as a racer and his nous with keeping people behind him, with that new system, you might say, you know what? There's at least half a chance he might keep the lead until this bloke burns out his tyres behind him. Whereas right now there's no chance. And half a chance, that little kind of glimmer of you know, doubts or what could happen as opposed to it's definitely not going to happen. Intrigue is all we need. I have one, I'm going to leave it on. This will be my last point. I have one simpler point than all your points combined to, to make the racing better. And it's, it's, it's ridiculously simple. And and that's why I like it. How about we just develop a tire that is a lot harder, a lot hardier, a lot, um, uh, less temperamental. There isn't really like a way of bur- like teams burning it, um, like as like how Ferrari have that problem at the moment where they're just burning their tires really quickly. We develop a tire like that. That so instead of having like five sets of temperamental tires, we develop more hardy tires. Make a instead of um, uh, man- mandate a, a certain amount of tire changes a race. So regardless of of what's happening, you have to use a certain amount of tires, um, so that the whole you know conserving your tires bullshit is once and, like is put aside once and for all, and then that allows all the teams to at least run full beans in terms of it, not not it, not um, the engine completely because that still has to survive, but they don't have to worry about burning their tires. What and then what, at, because, uh, yeah, sorry. Whether that would actually resolve anything, it's a good, well, Ferrari, it's a good like thought a experiment. Like, but like, like Ferrari, I don't know if, if Ferrari can run full beans, but then Red Bull can run full beans. 
No, but the Red Bull can run full beans with its tyre conservation. Like they're, they're t- they've got no problems with tyre conservation. Yeah. A team like Ferrari, like we're saying in qualifying, seems to be able to match it. But, you know, Joe, like I, and, got and, that, and I in, like that in, idea. In qualifying, it runs in Park Fermo, so they're running it how they run it in a race. Joe, I like so that idea. I like that yeah, idea. because it's a, it's a great idea. But, but, like, on the flip side, literally exactly what you said was we need, like, the teams that develop a better car deserve the advantage. So if you've developed a car that can't chew its that that chews its tires more than the other, well then you don't deserve that advantage. Dude, I'm but I'm talking. I'm, we're talking hypotheticals now. I'm, I'm saying like if if we're going to fix the sport, how I've been talking your hypotheticals but, all day, Joe. Yeah, but if we're gonna if but if you want me to get on board with this idea, right? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying that the way that you're talking about it, I just think it seems very convoluted. Like there, like this way at least, it takes out one of the most. Um, sort of important variables that seems to be, you know, between all the teams. Mm. And then, so then you go regardless, build a fast car, the tyres can withstand it. Because we've, we've seen in the tyre war, when the, what is it, 2007, when Michelin and Bridgestone were sort of developing tyres hand in hand, those tyres could do like 80 laps, no drop off in speed. Like, so it's it's more than possible. And I'm not saying go that extreme, but, but if every race you have to throw three sets of tyres on, right, or say two, two sets, of, no, three sets, two pit stops, you have to run one set of tyres in qualifying and then you have to then you have to use all qualifying tyres in the race and then two new sets during the race. Then strategy comes into play when you take your pit stops. Everyone has to, has to take – the only thing that gets hindered then is that one stop, two stop. But at least the, the cars at the front of the grid that you're talking about don't have to worry about conserving tyres. They can just run as hard as they want that their engine and their car will allow. And that would definitely bring it closer to what you're saying. But I, I think that's just a more practical idea, to be honest. Well, you know what, boys? I think we'll leave it there. That was a pretty fiery chat, a pretty emotion-filled chat. Um, the beauty is we get a week now off to cool the jets, to sip a little bit of a mojito by the sea um, and then in a and then in a fortnight we'll come back by the other part lake yeah by the other part lake and then in a fortnight we'll come back with a double header of the review from round three of the f1 world championship at albert park can and I round two of the supercars that will take place on the same weekend can i see what i'm interested in seeing i'm interested in seeing if this Keep race at albert park is boring but you have a great time there and it changes your whole perception of the weekend. That's another thing I'm interested to see because you won't know how boring it is because you'll be on, you'll be trackside. You'll just see cars whizzing by because we'll watch the race and be like, that was I a good shit race. I, I, I can't wait. Um, yeah. I think we'll leave it there, boys. Thanks, mate. That was a good one. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. And like we say every week, thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. We're getting some serious traction on YouTube now. Please keep that coming in. Please keep the comments coming. Um, good to see some some comments on YouTube over the last week. Um, but yeah, please like, subscribe, share, um, and we'll see you in a fortnight.